0: Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast brought to you by Arrowhead Land Company Here you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight, because here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast. I am your host, John Hutzbeth. Welcome to the show. We got a really good one. And more importantly than that, this episode right now that you're listening to, this is the last episode before you can legally hunt whitetail deer in the state of Oklahoma and many other places. But, you know, right now, all we care about is Oklahoma. And my goodness, the time is here. Super excited. Uh, man, I mean, bear season's opening, uh, archery season's opening, dove's already open. Teal season's open. We still got a little bit before, you know, the real waterfowl season. But uh, you can go hunt some teal. Just a just a fantastic, amazing time of year. Obviously, what we live for. I, I think uh, I think this weekend is uh, the official uh, opening or first day of fall, whatever you want to call it. I go by, more by temperature than the calendar personally, but you know that's what they say. So so yeah, we got a really good one coming up. Few things to touch on before we get there. A Few updates. Uh, biggest update and a very unfortunate one. I talked a lot last week about how I was all jazzed up to, you know, get out to the ranch and plant my food plots and, and do all this work and be ready for the season. Uh, I was able to fill my feeders. I got all of my feeders up and running, filled, all that. So that's good. Um, I was able to set up my, my blind finally that had blown over in the wind. So I got that set up, but unfortunately my brother was actually cutting hay and And if you've grown up around ag, ranching, farming, whatever, you know that that comes first, especially before, you know, a luxury like hunting. And so, like I said, I was up there, my brother was cutting hay, he had some breakdowns, Uh, he felt super bad, uh, but I I told him like, hey, uh, you know, you need this stuff worse than I do. And so uh, he, he did get everything bailed, luckily. Uh, but again, I was not able to get any of my food plots planted, and so I did. He, uh, he was able to spare uh, our small tractor for a little bit, which won't pull our drill, uh, but it did pull the brush hog, and so I was able to get a few of my uh, paths mode and everything. And uh, and honestly, like a lot of my food plots, you know, I just sprayed them. I don't know, four or five weeks ago, uh, when when all the soybeans were still up and everything. And so most of them are are pretty much ready to plant. Uh, So I I did take the brush hog and hit a few little spots where maybe I had missed spraying and everything. And so my plan, I I thought I was going to have a tractor on Sunday to plant still. And so my plan was to go ahead and and plant Sunday without spraying because, again, a lot of that stuff was still dead. Uh, But now uh, we didn't get any rain last week like we were expecting. We did get a little bit of rain finally this week. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I'm I obviously I have to wait till I get there, but I might go ahead and spray now, just because you know what little was there might have gotten a, a, an extra little kick. And obviously at this point, you know I'm going to be planting a little later than I would like, and so more than likely I'm going to go ahead and spray again and then plant. When that will be, I don't know yet. <laughs> um, we'll we'll get into that. It's all kind of turned into a little bit of a mess. Uh, this 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 weekend. Um, I, I mean, I'm excited about it. But um, uh, my wife's grandpa, like, right. I think it was before we were married. I was talking to him. And he's a huge sports fan, and and I I was just kind of getting into college football, and he told me that uh, one of his bucket list things is to go to a game either at uh Death Valley LSU. Or at Kyle Field for Texas A&M. Just you know, he's actually not a fan of either of those teams, but just you know the the traditions and the 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 craziness and all that stuff. Like he just wanted to experience that. And so my brother-in-law has season tickets for Texas A&M. And so this weekend, my wife, uh, we're taking, you know, her grandpa and grandma, we're going to drive down there to to College Station and go to the A&M versus Auburn game. And so that's going to be a lot of fun, but obviously I won't be able to do any deer things that weekend. And then the next weekend, which, you know, as you're listening to this, it's the upcoming weekend – is stinking deer season. And so, you know, I went on kind of a rant last week about how, you know, for a lot of people hunting opening day probably isn't the best option and how you should maybe avoid it and blah, blah, blah. Well, Well, now I got to eat a little crow because, um, my number one target buck rock that I mentioned, uh, five-year-old 10 point, um, just a good looking deer. Like I said, just a solid deer. Um, nothing crazy, but a, a, a good buck. He has not shifted. He is still in the same spot. He's been all summer. He's daily, like, I, I can't think of the last time he has not been there one, you know, at least during the night and probably two months. Um, and, and just recently, he has been showing up in daylight, you know, right at the end of shooting hours, but definitely in shooting light. And so, you know, I talked about maybe doing a little bear hunting this year. I talked about how hunting opening day is not always the best plan, but, man I mean if my number one buck is showing up in daylight I think that might be the exception to the rule and I I don't know if I can not hunt him and so if again we still got you know a couple days before the season gets here but but uh anyway he's showing up at a spot where my big food plot is and so that's why I'm saying the timing's a little weird because if I think I have a chance to kill that buck Sunday evening I don't think I want to be in there on Saturday you know, spraying and planting and driving the tractor all around and all that stuff. And so, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like I said, I'm just just going to have to kind of wait and see see how it plays out. If he goes nocturnal or shifts, then most likely I'll spend Saturday uh, planting food plots and then maybe go try to kill a bear on Sunday, uh, maybe hunt somewhere else. I don't know. That's uh, one thing that, you know, I do like and I know why they do it is you know once october 1st hits you can no longer buy a bear tag and i know they do that so somebody doesn't shoot a bear and then go buy the tag and i i respect them i think that's a great idea actually um but one kind of unfortunate thing is if you don't buy one before that then you're stuck without a bear tag um so yeah like i said a lot of big decisions coming up uh but uh, you know what these these are the decisions that i love Very much a first world problem, so I don't mind making that. So uh, I wish I had more kind of concrete stuff for you guys of what you know what I'm going to be doing this upcoming weekend, but I just don't. But obviously, you know that's kind of the fun part of it too. So so anyway, that's all the uh, the deer stuff that's been going on. Uh, My right shoulder is a little bit sore right now, actually, because I did a lot of shooting in the last couple days. Um, I went out one day and had like a pretty dang legit dove hunt uh the first i mean like the first good dove hunt i've had in a lot of years and i i screwed it up royally i shot terribly like i forgot how humbling dove hunting can be those dadgum critters and and they they started me off with a lot of hope so sitting there at the truck had a couple other guys out there dove flies by and i pull up and bam first shot crushed this sucker sweet um, sitting there another dove flies by first shot miss second shot fold them up so I'm like two for two on birds uh, another bird flies by I miss another bird flies by and I crush it so I'm I'm like three for four on birds at this point so I'm like dude like this is like it's about to go down and it's still early like we had just got there and so I go out and I sit sit next to this cottonwood tree and and I don't know what it was, but, like, from that moment on, I could not hit anything. And I think part of the problem was, there, like, honestly, there were so many dove, and, like, they, they were just coming from everywhere. Like, I couldn't get, like, there wasn't, like, a, a, a nice, easy shot that I kind of got to do over and over again in practice. Like, a bunch of them came straight at me. I actually had three land in my tree. From, from They came from a direction I couldn't shoot because one of the, my buddies was over there. But I had three come and land in the tree, and... And then, of course, fly straight back towards my buddy after they saw me, so I still couldn't shoot. Uh, but, like, I, I I was in position A, and, uh, and I just kept missing. Like, they'd come straight at me, and to me, that's the hardest shot. When they come straight at you, and they're kind of high, and, you know, some are flying fast this time of year. Some are still kind of going slow, so I'd miss, like, two of those. But then one would come, like, floating by to my left, nice and low, and so then I'm trying to adjust and figure out my lead for that, and I'd miss that one. And then one would come straight across in front of me, and I'd miss that one. Then they'd be back to flying straight at me. And all that to say, did terribly. I only killed one more bird the rest of the evening. Had to admit, like, I, I probably missed a limit's worth after that point. But but yeah, so lots of shooting that evening. And then the next day, I actually went and did a charity uh, skeet shoot. Which was a heck of a lot of fun. Only the second time I've ever done anything like that. It was it was all doubles, which was very challenging. Uh, one of the guys on our team, he's actually like a semi pro trap shooter. Uh, you know, he travels around and does all the different competition competitions. And he even he even said like, "Man, this is kind of a above average for like your you know fun shoot." Um, so yeah, like I said, lots of doubles flying all over the place. I think I ended up going. 52 for 80, like shot 52 out of 80 targets, which I felt pretty dang good about. Like, that's over 50%, you know, not quite three quarters, um, but but had a really good time. Uh, Our team ended up finishing fourth out of 22 teams, so missed out on a trophy, unfortunately, but, you know, still did pretty good, and the best part about it was it was for a great cause. It was for a, a children's hospital, so, yeah, just lots lots of fun, great time, so... So yeah, man, that's what I've been up to. That's what I got coming up. Like I said, some uncertainty with the hunting and all that. But uh, I'm sure we'll touch on what I decided next week. So so be looking forward to that. As far as this week, we have a really cool episode, a fun one that I really enjoyed recording. We got our old buddy Charles Admire. He's been on several times at this point, And Charles and I have known each other forever. And we just have a good old kind of like BS, like we're just excited about hunting season. We cover a bunch of different stuff. We both talk about our whitetail plans. Uh, Charles is going on a mule deer hunt. He's going on a sandhill crane hunt. Last year we did a bunch of uh, duck hunting together. So we kind of talk about that and how we've kind of we've both kind of rekindled our love of waterfowl. So we talk about that at the end in just a really really good episode. So So yeah, that's what I have for you this week. uh, We got a couple awesome guests lined up for the next couple weeks. Obviously, hopefully, um, I'll be hunting, so we'll have that stuff too. So if you're ready for some good quality listening content, we got plenty coming at you. So as always, thank you guys for listening. Appreciate it. And we'll get into the episode right after a quick word from our partners right after this. There is truly no place like the great outdoors in Oklahoma. When you're out in the wild, you want your wireless devices to work. Unlike other carriers, Bravado Wireless believes that coverage in rural areas is important so that you stay connected. With competitively priced plans and coverage where you need it, the mission of Bravado Wireless is to keep you connected no matter where you are. Visit bravadowireless.com or check them out at one of their retail locations. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Hey everybody, welcome to today's show, and today we have my old buddy Charles Admire. How you doing, Charles?
1: I'm doing great, man. How are you?
0: Oh, doing pretty good, pretty good, and uh, you've been on the show a few times, and so hopefully people are aware, but I wanted to start this off with a fun fact, and uh, a fun fact about you, of course, and most <laughs> of the people listening to this show have probably heard of a guy by the name of Dale Brisby, and what brought this to my mind is I just saw on Facebook that he just killed his first elk and he's been like training with Cam Haynes and all this stuff. And you are actually close personal friends with Mr. Dale Brisby, Isn't that right? It is.
1: I've known Dale for, oh gosh, 15, 17 years, something like that. And uh, he's a good dude, got into bow hunting. And I don't think you could have a better mentor right now than Cam. <laughs> um and so I'm super stoked for him. I actually just saw that post right before right before you said it. So mm-hmm. yeah, Dale's the man.
0: Yeah, yeah. and uh another fun fact, one of his first videos ever I think one that kind of helped you know really jump start him and go viral or whatever you want to say is uh when he was you know running and jumping over hogs and roping them and stuff and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were <laughs> actually a cameraman on that set, right? <laughs>
1: yeah i was getting one of the angles and he's uh dale super handy uh i am not nearly as handy and uh, anyway <laughs> yeah we tried over and over and over to loop one over top and uh i don't have that kind of touch he got close several times and then finally he was like i'm gonna run straight at that joker and drop the loop over top of him and i was like do it man and uh <laughs> that's uh that's how we ended up getting him. so it's funny that's that video might be 10 years old now but yeah yeah, yeah. it's funny
0: <laughs> yeah wild man he is he is but anyway that was a very random start uh I do want you to introduce yourself so real quick in case somebody hasn't heard one of your episodes before go ahead and
1: just give us a little bit of who you are okay rundown um uh did a few years in the marine corps as an artillery officer um and now I got a little family got a wife and a boy who's oh 16 months old and then one on the way. And uh uh like a lot of hunters, I guess, that, that listen to your show love to to deer hunt and hog hunt, and then the new the newer passions are like duck hunting and then just being opportunistic about going out west. We went on a or I went on your elk hunt a few years ago and I had a bear tag. This year I got crane and in the panhandle of Texas that's coming up that I'm super stoked about and then a mountain muzzleloader hunt that I got a pretty funny story about sighting in my muzzleloader. We'll talk here in a little (laughs) bit about, but, uh, well, anybody,
0: anybody who listens to the show knows that I have a love, hate (laughs) relationship with muzzleloaders. So definitely
1: looking forward to that. I think, I think God was looking down on me and was like, man, this poor fool, I'm going to make sure that he doesn't die today. (laughs) 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 it was it was interesting i'll tell you that so
0: Uh, good good well (laughs) as you just said we got a lot to cover today but uh really the purpose behind this episode is just a good old hunting seasons here let's talk about it we're excited um and let's just kind of talk about the fun stuff that we have coming up and more than likely you and i will get together again after the season to do another episode and and hopefully do a little hunting together this year We, we did that last year and Uh, man I think you and I we've known each other going on 30 years something like that you and uh, my brother went to kindergarten together um, and then but here in the last few years I think we've gotten a little closer and kind of started doing some hunting together and really enjoyed it so looking forward to this episode and I think to kick things off since it's almost deer season I feel like we definitely need to start there Uh, so I know you just got a picture of a good one um, you hunt a little bit of uh kind of central West Texas area. So tell us a little bit about uh, that buck and any others you're thinking and just
1: walk us through your whitetail season a little bit. Um, Sure, you bet. And so I guess I'll go back to last season. The buck that's been on my target list, gosh, for three years now. Um, We we have we got some family land that's on a small parcel. I mean, it is a small parcel between oh three fairly significantly larger places um and it's got a creek running through it so we'll get bucks that travel through a little bit um and so there's always a chance to see something that's a little different which is fun um but the one that had been consistent on our place at least during deer season um the past few years i I had nicknamed highbrow and i saw him daylighted once but he got to the feeder before i did And so I actually backed out and then tried to go kill him the next day. And that was, gosh, it was like November 4th or something like that. So I mean, right in the middle of the rut. And he had as much a chance of being on our place as any one of the kind of three places that are in, uh, in pretty close proximity there. So, um, I'd had history with him, I think, and this is what I'm getting into for what's coming up, but I think that I had first seen him as a three year old. And so when I was last year, when I saw him, he must've been, let's see, that would've made him like five, I think, cause I'd had three years of pictures with him. Um, but, uh, but the deal is, is if you look at him and his horns grew almost the exact same every year, but if you looked at him on those pictures and, and you might've been able to tell, or someone who's very savvy on aging deer, like they're just hard to age in our area. Real hard to age. They're not necessarily big bodied. And until it gets to to season, their necks all look about like you know, a uh, an Oklahoma uh doe neck or something like that. You know, um mm-hmm. they're not real thick. Um those secondary sex characteristics aren't necessarily um super prominent. So that being said, um this year <laughs> What I've seen is really a curveball. We've been super dry, but we have a spring-fed tank. And so I think as kind of a uh, a side effect of that is that we're seeing a lot of consistency with like half a dozen bucks. Hmm. And what's hard about it is it's hard aging them. Some of them, their bodies are actually bigger. I think there's probably three that are older. You know, maybe in the three to four range, Um, I shouldn't say older, but older than the other ones. Three to four range, two of them are definitely, I'm guessing, you know, outside of those strong secondary sex characteristics, probably the two oldest. But it's just hard for me to get like a good, good judge on them. Um, One of them I'm calling uh, Pisa because one of his sides is like an inch taller than the other side. So it's funny. He's leaning (laughs) like his rack is just leaning. So he's coming around. He's a good deer. He's like, uh, I think he's nine, but it's, you know, I got one of the, the earlier cell cam models, so it doesn't have the the most clear pictures, but he's been around, gosh, late August, to the first week in September, he was there every day. Um, I've seen him a little bit more sparsely since, but, uh, but he's around. And then the one that, that I sent you a picture of, or maybe posted, I can't remember which one, um. He, uh, he's an eight point and he, he's one of the other, uh, or the other one that, that seems older. Although again, secondary sex characteristics aren't super strong. How many times can I say that? <laughs> Sorry. I'm coming off of uh, for, for, for everyone listening out there, I had an ear for surgery, surgery, procedure, whatever we're going to call it earlier today. And I'm coming down off meds a little bit. So bear with me, folks. You're doing <laughs> good. Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of what I'm seeing. Those are the two that I'm looking at. And right now, um, just kind of planning around, since we got a little one and my wife's pregnant, planning around that. I think I'm going to go in maybe once in October, hit November hard. And then for whatever reason, we start seeing more about 10 days before Christmas. So like December 10th through 15th is usually a pretty good spot for us. So those are kind of the the timelines that I'm trying to get down there and be pretty intentional about getting after some whitetail. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. That timeline you mentioned in December, I feel like that's always my slowest time. Uh, You know, bucks are usually kind of getting done with rut. They're worn down. They're trying to recover. And I feel like they just need a break, like they need some rest. And so I'm wondering if maybe they're getting a bunch of pressure on the neighbors or something like that. So maybe they think of y'all's place as the, the safe little hidey hole thing go hold up. Uh I don't know. That's interesting.
1: You you might be right. It's funny, the uh two of the last three seasons I've killed bucks kind of that week on our place after letting it rest kind of the tail end of November. So yeah. that honestly might be what it is. People are hitting November so hard there's not a bunch of bow hunters around us. And so that rifle pressure probably just pushes them to our p- place. You're you're probably right about that. Hmm. Gotcha.
0: I uh I, I need to oh well I think I need to preface that. I think I might be uh eating a little crow myself this year at the beginning of the season because uh anybody who's listened to this show, I'm I'm a, almost a little down on opening day. I think I even did a big spiel about it last week. Um I just feel like for for most people, you know, they're all jacked up, they're excited. They just want to get out there and hunt. But, you know, typically opening day, it's hot. The conditions are usually bad. Um, And so I feel like most people end up hurting themselves opening day. And I actually fell victim to it last year, even after I had preached against it, because I was out there. I think I had one buck that was coming in like right after shooting light, like two days before something. And I was like, ah, you know, I'm just going to go for it. And I had my new box blinds. So I was like, oh, you know, the wind, like I can control the wind a little bit more and, of course, I get in that thing and, you know, I looked like a little brownie in an easy bake oven just cooking because <laughs> it was so hot. And uh, so, of course, I have all the windows open and everything, trying to, not, you know, not sweat to death. And, you know, right at last slide, I actually had deer coming from two different directions. And, of course, the ones who were, you know, a little bit more downwind smelt me. They blew and ran off to the south the deer come from the other way. They saw that they blew and ran off to the North and I just completely blew the spot up just like I had warned others not to do. Um, But this year, my, my number one buck that I've, or number one target buck, I should say uh, I named him rock because I set one of my cameras on a food plot this summer to video. And I don't know how many videos I got of this deer that I thought were a picture because he's just standing there super still And uh, Rock rolled off the tongue a little smoother than like statue or something like that. So named him Rock. And uh, but he's been coming in fairly consistently uh, during shooting hours in the evenings. And so I know we're still, I don't know, eight or nine days away as I'm recording this. Um, But if he stays on that pattern, I, I might have to to slip in there and try to get him
1: opening day. I don't know. yeah man so you got you got rock coming in you got you posted several times about two percent you got any other bucks that you're kind of eyeing or those the 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 two there
0: man i have uh i have one who i'm going to try really hard not to shoot um i think he's actually bigger than rock but he i'm pretty sure he's a four-year-old and so i think if he had one more year i think he could be really special um, he's got a big, uh, split G two on one side. I call him slingshot. Um, <laughs> 2%, 2% has been pretty consistent actually, uh, again at night. Funny story about him. So I was up there this last weekend and my plan was to plant my food plots and my brother who, you know, very well, uh, forgot to mm-hmm. mention that he was going to be cutting hay. And so he was using all the tractors and stuff. So, so I wasn't able to plant my food plots. Um, but I, you know, got all my feeders filled and some other little knickknacky stuff. And and when I got done setting everything up, I had one extra cell cam, and I was thinking to myself, like, how can I use this camera, you know, to benefit me to really use it, not just stick it somewhere. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to figure out where this dadgum two percent buck is coming from. Like I know he's coming off the neighbors, but I just felt like if I could maybe figure out where, because I have pictures of him on our property in another spot. But, you know, it's kind of like an L and the neighbors is in the middle of the L. So I know he comes through there. And so right. I I went off the feeder about 75 yards to where this fence was. And I just set the camera up on the fence and I faced it out into the pasture. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Like, hey, I'll either get him on this or I won't. And maybe that'll give me give me like some idea of where I, you know, which direction he's coming from. So I set that camera up on Sunday Sunday night, it worked like a charm. I got a picture of him. He was coming from behind the camera. I was like, all right, step one complete. I'm going to leave this camera there. Next time I'm up there, I'll move it and stuff. Well, I kid you not, that was Sunday night. I got that picture of him. Monday, my camera starts going nuts. I was like, what the heck? And my brother turned cows in that pasture. And uh, (laughs) I have not got another picture of him on that camera or at the feeder uh, because the feeder's out in that pasture. And so, so yeah, 2% is a little MIA at the moment. Uh, I know once the cows go away, he'll probably come back. Um, there's another buck. Actually, I think you might've seen that. I put him on, uh, Instagram a few, I don't know, about a week ago or something. I was asking for name suggestions and I'm pretty sure this buck is super old. I don't know. He's kind of confusing me, honestly. Um, really, really tall G2s, but just pencil thin, like, like zero mass at all. And I do think this year, like our our mass across the board suffered this year. I'm guessing because of the drought we have. We actually had really good length, but no mass. Um, Quick, funny story about that, Buck. So I put that up on Instagram and did like a a poll or whatever, like asking for for name suggestions. And I almost did it like as a joke to myself because I knew what the replies were going to be. I think I got eight Mr. Krabs. I think I got (laughs) six crab claw. Um, I got one Bartholomew, which I actually really thought was funny. Um, so I, I, I don't have a name for him. I was, I was trying to think of something other than crab claw, just cause I feel like that's a common name, but, um, I think that buck would be a shooter. I mean, he's a, he's a decent antlered buck, but to me, the first pictures I got him, like he just looks old, like ancient old. Um, and so that deer, uh stone and two percent those are definitely the top three um the reason two percent is not my number one is because just like in the past i just don't know if he's killable like i just don't know if i have an opportunity to legitimately hunt him when he's on our property in daylight uh i'm gonna right. be trying i have some ideas uh you know i think i might have a chance during muzzle during the rut, you know, a lot of my rut hunting this year is going to be in Iowa because I drew that tag. So I, I want to, you know, spend a lot of time up there. Um, so I'm thinking if I do kill that buck, it'll probably be either muzzleloader season or, as usual, late season. The the few close encounters I've had or where he's thought about daylighting have been late season. And so that's if I were to call
1: my shot, it'd be one of those two times. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. that's cool hey there's one thing i totally forgot to tell you that i don't know why it just hit me i got a deer that's piebald oh that's cool yeah he's he's young you know (laughs) but it'd be really hard for me to pass if he came out like (laughs) his neck his neck looks like like a paint horse you know Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, it's just on one side and it comes down kind of on the front and he's (laughs) like you know mainframe eight but i mean he's he's probably three yeah. You know, um, yeah. and he's not really to his potential yet, mm-hmm. but he is freaking cool looking. Like that cape, it'd be pretty fun to have that cape, but yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> we will see. Uh, yeah. pr- probably cooler heads will prevail in the situation because sometimes they just look bigger on camera anyway, you know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'll have to send you a picture. He's, he's pretty cool looking.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's one of those that you really need to decide before he comes out. You oh, don't wanna... I know. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't blame you if you did by any means. But, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's one thing that I found with myself. If I have one of those tweener bucks, like, you know, maybe, th- maybe not. Uh, if they come out in front of me and they're in bow range, that maybe goes right out the window a lot of times.
1: I know. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I'm going to the- text it to you, actually, while we're talking, so you can look at it and be... Uh, tell me your thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe not be amazed, but at least tell me your thoughts. He's cool looking. Yeah. Um, Um, anyway, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say,
0: I I will, you know, just for listeners and stuff like, uh, for me personally, like my hit list is always flexible too, because you know, it's still like, it's not even October yet. Like bucks are still shifting their patterns. Like you never know what's going to show up. And so that's, that's part of the reason I almost never, do the whole one buck thing where, you know, I know so many people like maybe it's they get to a spot in their hunting career and they just like the challenge or whatever. And they're like, okay, like this buck, no matter what I'm killing this buck, man, my, li- I'm always fluctuating. Like if a good random buck shows up I, to me, like there's no point to not go hunt that deer and try to kill it. Um, so, you know, I, I, named those three, but, uh, you know, I had a really nice eight point last year that showed up a little bit. I passed them during rifle season, Um, uh, you know, he, he, there's a good chance he'll be around at some point. Uh, and I feel like every year we get one or two just kind of random bucks that show up. And so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not, uh, let's, let's just say my list isn't finalized.
1: Yeah. And uh, same way. We'll probably see about half these deer during season. Um, but you know, it's fun to, fun to think about now. Yeah, for
0: sure. For sure. Well, man, like I said, we we mentioned several different topics I want to hit. Uh, I want to hear about this mule deer hunt.
1: Yeah. So, um, so one of the Marines that worked for me, um, avid hunter um, himself, I've been putting in uh, for a few years in New Mexico um, just because I'm not as regimented as you are to build a spreadsheet and do preference points and everything else. And New Mexico doesn't do that. But I, I've been putting in for several years for uh, – for antelope for elk and for uh for mule deer and i'd always pick this marine's brain because he's he's from out there they got a, a ranch that's been in their family for just generation upon generation upon generation and so he's avid hunter he now's a a uh public land uh firefighter uh good good dude um and we've kept in touch and so he'll he'll tell me hey you know this is this is one that you might have better odds getting in or um or this is where big animals are whatnot and i've been doing it with my bow well i hadn't been able to draw with my bow and so i just got an idea let's see if it changes my luck to do it with uh with uh muzzleloading tackle you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't have a muzzleloader and Honestly, the, the only thing I know about muzzle loading is what I got taught in the schoolhouse about loading cannons. <laughs> I was like, well, it can't be that, that hard. And, you know, I reached out to you for some of your, uh, you know, advice and whatnot. And <clears throat> so that being said, I, I drew, um, for the unit that actually their family ranch is in. So I'll be, I'll be hunting just North of the border between Texas and, uh, and New Mexico. Um. Some of it's BLM land, some of it's uh, private land, but, um, he let me know that they're not necessarily going to be, you know, Pope and Young or anything like that, but, you know, his dad's out there and he'll keep an eye out for, for good looking deer. So he sent one over and he hasn't said whether it's on the place or not, man, I was drooling. (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a typical, you know, four by four, um, Actually, it might have just little nubs for brow tines, too. You know, sometimes those mule deer don't have much of brow tines. Well, it has, I think, just little nubs for brow tines. And it's it's more in the desert, so it might not be on their place. But, dude, this thing, I mean, it's – do you still measure them, like, G1, G2, and everything else, like whitetail? Do you know?
0: I'm pretty sure. So, when I lived in Idaho, you know, there's a lot of people – most people either hunt one or the other, even though you could hunt both. Um, but like all, all anybody cared about up there was the inside spread. Like you never heard a score. I mean, sometimes they'd be like, yeah, four by four or five by five or whatever. But almost always it was like, yeah, I shot a 32 inch mule deer. I shot a 36 inch mule deer. And it was all, they were always talking about the inside spread. Like that was their big number.
1: Okay. So he has it all. That's what I was fixing to get to (laughs) next. His spread, he's outside those big old wide ears. Mm -hmm. Um, at each branch. Uh, you know, I mean, he looks like he's at least, uh, even on the ones that are far out front, I'm going to pull up a picture of him right now while we're talking about him, but even the ones on the front, I mean, he's like, they look like those are at least nine inches a piece and he is just huge. Anyway, not sure if he's on their place or not, but, uh, but it'll be fun either way. So yeah, that's, it's the, I think it's the second rifle season or second muzzleloader season, excuse me, for New Mexico. And uh, <laughs> this is the story I alluded to earlier. So not, not too long ago, I went out to, to sight in this rifle. And uh, and so I took, you know, the recommended uh, projectiles, the, the CVA, ELR. I got a breakover uh Acura that I found on sale. Um, and so I was doing all the things. I cleaned it before. I cleaned it after three shots uh, each time. And, uh, you know, I, I mentally told myself that like, Hey, it's going to kick a little bit, <laughs> but I was not prepared. Mm-hmm. I mean, this thing bounced me and I was laying in the prone and I had it on the bipod. And like, even <laughs> I took a video, I think of maybe the third shot and it is just barking. Mm-hmm. Well, all I had in me <clears throat> and I mean, I'm six, two twenty, And so, I mean, I can stand a you know, a, a, a lot of a lot of kick or whatever um and it was just bouncing me so i was like well you know i'm gonna cut it off at eight shots today so i didn't think anything else of it i was cleaning it um and then like in the back part of my mind i was like do you think there's a a max powder charge that's allowed to go in this weapon <laughs> and so i had weighed out i mean i'm you know i know that i need to weigh out to like get extremely precise and trying to get as precise as possible you know down range and so i'm doing everything the same breathing the same trigger control all all the things um including like the exact weight of the grains Mm -hmm. well the way cda does it is they do it by like volume and then by weight like they have a they have a limit well, I had messed it up. I thought that their recommendation for weight was volume. Oh. And I don't know if you know this, but uh it will always read higher volume-wise than it will weight wise. So, like, for example, mm-hmm. their recommendation is don't go above 120 grains uh, by volume of Blackhorn 209 mm-hmm. or by weight of 84.5 grains or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Guess what I was loading into that Joker?
0: <laughs> I'm guessing like 120 grams yep. or whatever the weight. Yeah. By volume, or excuse Ooh. me,
1: by weight. Yeah. And so it was like, it was scaring the hell out of like 160 by volume. Uh uh-huh. Uh, that's why I was saying, like, it, it, it was grace that, uh, <laughs> <coughs> that I didn't get hurt or anything, but yeah. After I after I saw that and read that I I went through and looked at everything and had a gunsmith looked at look at it and he just kind of laughed and was like yeah don't do that ever again but uh, I mean the weapon looks fine so you should be yeah. good with it so anyway <laughs> there's there's uh, a <laughs> me being a little bit of a dummy but getting saved getting yeah. saved from a bad situation so oh, be man. sure you check mm-hmm. for all the listeners out there that are not into black powder yet make sure that you check what your weapon can actually handle yep. <clears throat> yep
0: yeah uh so gosh this will i think this upcoming season will be like my fourth year uh doing muzzleloader and uh so i'm still learning and like i said earlier i have a love hate relationship with it you know the first year i did it i had an old used gun and it actually cost me two nice bucks in the over the course of like four days and uh but now I, you know i got rid of that thing have a much nicer gun but i remember this new it's also a cva and I remember the first time I shot it. I I was kind of prepared like you just said, like I knew it was going to kick more, but it's uh it's it's a different kind of kick. Like a rifle is real like quick punch, you know, that type of thing. I feel like a muzzleloader is almost more of like a slow push. And so it just I feel like it digs in more and pushes more and I got lucky. I almost scoped myself that very first time. Uh, right. because I, like, I, you know, I was just kind of all up on the gun. Like I would be with a rifle and it, it actually hit me. It is luckily it didn't cut. Um, but you know, now, so I, I can't remember if I actually moved the scope or if I'm just a little bit more careful about not sticking my face up there. Um, <laughs> but it, it, it is different. And that's why I tell people all the time, you know, no matter where, you, no matter if you're using a, a bow, muzzleloader rifle, like be sure to practice. Don't just take something off the shelf and go out there and, and try to kill something with it. Um, you need to be, uh, need to be from, you need, uh, honestly, you need to make some mistakes like you were talking about, uh, cause it's much Maybe better. Be- my
1: mistake, but yes, <laughs> yes. <mistakes>. yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's much, much better to figure that out now. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to shame anybody who might be listening to this, but I will say I was in a, in an archery store, um, I don't know, probably three weeks ago or something like right at the end of August. And there were two different guys in there who were not together like two separate guys buying their very first bow to go on their first archery elk hunt. And you know, these yeah. guys are leaving in like five to seven days and they've like, they don't own a bow. They haven't been practicing. And I, I just wanted to like go up to him and be like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I, I mean, you know, maybe they don't know better. Maybe they, and that's probably part of the problem. A lot of people probably think it's just like a rifle. You know, you go, you sight it in and you're good. Um, but yeah, like we, we owe it to the critters that we're hunting to be proficient with the equipment we're using and not just
1: winging it. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to learn, so we're going to gonna learn something. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. So the, the funny thing you're talking about that kick, I, I do think it's different a little bit. I can't put my finger on it exactly, but when I go back out to to, to reside in, if you will, mm-hmm. um with the right <laughs> with the right uh, powder charge. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I, I'll give you a better report on what I think about the actual recoil because I, I guarantee what I was feeling was exaggerated quite a bit. The other <laughs> deal too is I did a lot of research. And a bunch of guys put on uh brakes. So mm. I I found a brake that was on sale uh by Arrowhead Rifle Works and uh or, they might have just been carrying it for someone else. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh put a break on it. So that'll that'll help a little bit with that that yeah. kick there. So anyway. I <laughs> Thought you'd find that funny. But yeah, that's what I'm taking up into the mountains and mm-hmm. and, um, and that, that hunt. Got is, some good uh, intel. That hunts open sites, right? No scope. Correct. Yeah. New Mexico just changed that. So there are some there's some western states and Colorado might be one of these that like you have to have like you can't even have a peep in the back. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, I can't remember. Don't don't quote me on Colorado. But check whatever state you're going to. Obviously, but mm-hmm. as I was reading the regs, they just have to. It can't be a magnified scope or like an electronic scope. I don't remember exactly how the regs say it for New Mexico, but basically, what I've done, I got I have an aperture in the back, so you know a hole will look through in the back, and then the front. I found a company that does like a a little globe with an insert. That has mm-hmm. a, uh, if you side it in at 100, it also has a graduated, um, is that the right way to say it? Yeah, sure. No, it's not. I, yeah. don't sh- we'll I know what you're talking it. about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, A little yeah. tape mark below it, you uh-huh. know, it's called a stadia line is the word I was looking for. Um, that's what we call them in the Marine Corps for, for our BDCs. But the next stadia line is for 200 yards. And then I want to say the top of the post that gets a little bit thicker is for like either 250 or 275. So even though it's not magnified, once I get that first inside in sighted in, um, I'm going to take just a shot at the recommended distances for those stadium lines, just so I have an idea of where it would hit in case something is farther off. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a pretty cool little sight. Yeah, I think Williams is the one that makes it, if anyone mm-hmm. cares. But uh, pretty cool little deal.
0: Very cool. Very cool. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for you. I uh, I've been just recently. I feel like all the effort that I, in the past, had put towards elk, all that has shifted to mule deer because I was like, screw elk at this point. <laughs> I hate them. They hate me. You put me. in the hours. I got my, I got my truck stolen. <laughs> I've had so many close calls. Anyway. an um, awful
1: week last year.
0: Yeah. And so uh, I, haven't, uh, I haven't talked about it much on the podcast yet, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking next year I'm going to put uh, – I'm going to try to do some stuff for some mule deer next year. So,
1: yeah, oh yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Oh for yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Well, cool, man. Man, time is flying right now, and uh, I I definitely want to talk about uh, some duck stuff. And you mentioned you had a crane hunt. Uh tell you about tell tell us about the crane hunt real quick, and then we'll talk
1: ducks. All right. I don't know as deep as it is. I just know that I got a spot uh, on a crane hunt outside of Lubbock with a buddy that I made uh, at church. I mean, we're both outdoorsman and he asked what i knew about it and i said nothing but i'd like to get on the hunt he said perfect we got a few openings for one that we're doing in january so see i'm just stoked i mean i've heard nothing but good things about the meat and everything else and it's something to check off the list because i mean the you know just such cool animals and not something that we see much around where we're at so yeah i'm mm-hmm. just excited about it yeah
0: one thing i just learned this actually yesterday talking to a random guy he mentioned uh crow hunt or not sorry not crow sandhill crane um in the limit only like two or four
1: per person i think it depends on where you're at <laughs> mm. i mean you you might be right i thought i remember uh remembered reading somewhere at three so yeah somewhere between two and four
0: yeah that i don't know why but that just shocks me um it's just like you know out at randy's place uh where we hunt out there it's it's close to a lake and I mean, uh, like I'm not exaggerating. We will have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, fly over like every day, and really? so the, yeah. And so the fact that you can only kill like two or three a day, I don't know why that just seems odd to me. Like I, I would think it'd be almost a free for all, like a or like a snow goose type thing, uh, where you know limits like twenty or something. But I don't know. Like well, said, it's funny. I got, some... I got a
1: cousin who's a diehard waterfowler in uh, Missouri. And they're not allowed to shoot them in Missouri. I mean, some states, mm. you know, they don't even have an open season. So,
0: mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the what the rationale is there. Don't much know much about it. I just know that those geese that we shot at your place last year, I made uh, pastrami with them. Mm. And, brother, that's like the best lunch meat I've ever had in my life. And the recipe said that it could also be substituted with uh, with Sandhill Cranes. And so any geese or cranes or anything else that I get this year is going straight to, to deli meat. Cause it's better than any other recipe that I've tried for, for geese. So ah, there you have it. Interesting. I think
0: I still have one or two breasts in there. Might have to try that. Um, what was I about to say? Goose crane. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, just everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, you can't mention the word sandhill crane without somebody somewhere being like, ribeye the sky, you know, ribeye the sky. Oh, exactly. And so, yeah, I've, man, I've always wanted to try it. Um, yeah, I, I think it'd be great. And I like, I, I'm kind of curious just what it tastes like. Um, oh, me too. Like, I, like, is it more beefy? Is that why they call it that? Or is it just good? And so that's why they call it that. I don't know.
1: I don't know. Hopefully I'll be able to tell you come February. Yeah, yeah
0: you have the right to the best wireless service bravado wireless provides the best mobile wireless high-speed internet latest devices and customer service at prices you feel good about bravado wireless strives to put these values first and offer you the best wireless service available see what they have to offer at bravadowireless.com or one of their retail locations in eastern oklahoma let Bravado Wireless connect you to your family, friends and business partners all over the world. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. Cool man, so you got that and I I want to talk duck hunting because just like I was talking about how the mule deer have kind of taken over something about the last month, uh maybe it's just cuz like I was looking forward to to dove season and and everything, but uh a big part of it too also is just you and I did a decent amount of duck hunting last year. I I did more last year than I had in the past. And, um, two years ago, honestly, it was kind of the podcast that made me kind of get back into it. Cause when I was in high school, I mean, I was duck hunting like two or three days a week. And, uh, but then just kind of, you know, deer hunting became such a, a big thing. And when I was working and everything, like I had so much, such so much more limited time to hunt in general, that if I had the ability to hunt, I wanted to be deer hunting. Um, but like I said, two years ago, I kind of got a little bit of, you know, like I said, I was more just kind of going for content for the podcast, but it, it lit the spark a little bit. And then last year you and I had that one hunt on that foggy day and we got a couple of geese boy. and a limited ducks. And I mean, that, that lit the fire hardcore. And then before we went on our next hunt, you had gotten that a frame blind and my brother mm-hmm. came with us, and he brought his kids. So we had the the kids tucked down around our feet, and you know, my my uh, my niece Emery with her like golden blonde hair. You know, we were trying to put <laughs> hats and stuff on her. But um, yeah, that was my first time hunting out of A frame because the the hunt before we used layouts, which I had done before. Mm-hmm. Uh, But, you know, we, me and you got out there like an hour early and sat there pulling, you know, ditch grass and we got that thing set up and and all grassed in and came out and stuff. And we had, we didn't have as many birds that time, but I think we, we shot pretty well. We killed a decent amount. Um, But man, yeah, like that got me fired up and I don't know why, but for some reason, hunting out of that blind, got me even more fired up. I think because it was just more comfortable. Um, so I, I don't know how many times I've done kind of last year. I did a couple by myself, did a couple with friends and, uh, and I, I, uh, am glad my wife doesn't listen to this podcast much because I have spent a lot of money <laughs> over the past two or three weeks. I, I now have my own a frame. I, I got one like half off cause it was missing a pole and I was like, I'll figure something out. And so got an hey, A frame. Yeah. Uh, ordered some more decoys I ordered one of those little like water shooting butts that you had because I thought that was so cool that was like the best motion thing I'd ever seen oh yeah um, and uh so yeah man like I, I'm I'm ready this year I'm pumped
1: well I'm telling you the, <clears throat> you hit the nail on the head after we got back from that one where we had that really good mallard hunt it it got me to thinking just about my son and then we got a we got a little girl on the way you know, it's going to be a longer amount of time before they're able to go with me to like a, a bow blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be quicker for 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 rifle for deer. But with ducks, I can just bundle them up and I can put them in the A-frame like you were talking about. And that was like kind of one of the driving factors why I bought it in the first place. I mean, the second was they were having extreme sale. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a going out of business outdoor sale or something. Anyway, uh, but yeah. That, that morning was just so fun. Mm. I mean, we it, it wasn't like they all dumped in at the same time and we were done in like 15 minutes. It was we had singles and doubles and triples working in. We were shooting good. And, uh, I mean, a good you know hour long hunt where it's like, hey, sometimes we're, we're shooting, sometimes we're kind of hanging out. We both got bonus birds. It was one of the best duck hunts that I've had. And, gosh. I mean, in probably at least five years, it was, it was phenomenal.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and
1: there was something special just, just that turned in my mind about, Hey, if I'm really trying to be a good dad and a good hunter at the same time, if I just switch it up for a few years and maybe pour the coals more to the, uh, to the ducks than to the deer, then it's going to be a quicker Avenue to, to hopefully share more time with my son in the woods, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So
0: yeah, was, I'm agreeing with you, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I know I talked about it on the podcast. I don't think I did a whole episode on it, but yeah, just the if you're a waterfowler, like the perfect conditions. It was a little misty, uh foggy. It was one of those things like you'd usually hear them before you saw them. Uh we were in layout blinds on a tank dam, had them all grassed in and everything, had a few uh goose decoys. And I, I think we shot our I think we shot our limited ducks before we killed any geese, and yep. then uh, I think uh, I think we had, well, had we some, had our limited
1: greenheads. We yes, didn't have our bonus yes. ducks yet, but we yep. had our limited greenheads. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, and so but a, a bunch of geese had been swinging wide of us, but landing in the like in the field not far from us, and so we decided like, hey, maybe we'll get lucky. Let's just kind of walk out there, and then right after we started walking out there. <laughs> I saw we saw some ducks land on the pond and I was like, dude, those are shovelers. Those weren't mallards. So we went and jumped it, cheated a little bit. I mean, not a true duck hunt, whatever. I don't care. Shot. We shot one perfectly. So then we had our limits. And then those shots actually scared the geese up, like, kind of like we thought. And they came over us and I made the shot of my life and <laughs> shot one of those suckers way the heck up there. And I was like, when that thing hit the ground, I mean, it was a oh, dude. thud. It was a thud, yep. and uh, and so we got that, and then I th- I think we called like we were like hey like maybe some more geese will come, and I don't think I had a call I think you might have had a call, and I had like a half a dozen goose decoys that we had thrown up there, and uh, and I think you called over another bunch and we both shot one out of it maybe or maybe you shot one and then I shot one out of the next group because I ended up with a greater, but I don't think the greater yeah. was the first one I killed. We may have got one out of I can't remember the
1: order. I just remember that we got two at the same time, and I think it was during that second flyby, you know, yeah. just just enough with those geese that were on the tank dam to look, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah.
0: Maybe my first one was the greater. Maybe that's it, and then maybe we each got one out of the next group.
1: Yeah. Either way, it was awesome, and I want to shoot more geese, and so that's why mm-hmm. I now have a uh, – you know, those cutouts. Uh-huh. Now I have, like, five dozen of those cutouts. So nice. if we get to see, like – we're not seeing a bunch of ducks, but Big Brother Luke is seeing uh <laughs> seeing geese land a whole bunch. Uh-huh. Someone who's got a few decoys. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That was a that was a
0: lot of fun. It, it makes me want to go on a legit goose hunt. Which I mean, I guess you could kind of consider ours legit. We we don't have the oh, setup. Heck yeah. yeah, we don't have the setup. You know, you hear, like true hardcore goose hunters. You know, they got like the twenty four foot enclosed trailer. Packed with right. like live mounted geese decoys <laughs> and everything. That's definitely not what we're talking about. Like we no. just threw a couple out there just in case, and uh, you know we sound like a couple teenagers with their voice cracking trying to call them in. But uh, but it,
1: it worked. It worked. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't have to be professional to put put birds on the ground. At least nah. in our experience. But yeah. I, I imagine we'd have more if we had a professional out there. But Probably we got so. a few. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Well, cool, man. Well, uh, we're kind of coming up on time here, and I don't want to uh, take anything else away from you. Um, man, did we miss anything? Any other random thoughts you got before we get out of here?
1: Nothing other than I am stoked for the season. Dove hunting was not good to me this year, <laughs> and I'm just ready to get in trees and get next to tanks and get up in the mountains and, you know, just enjoy God's creation and hopefully harvest some, some animals. So I'm stoked that it's fun at this time of year same here man same here
0: uh I almost feel like uh you know I started running trail cameras a little early this year like June mid-june or something and I basically it started just because I for the first time ever I, I bought some protein feeders just trying to hold more deer on our property I've I've talked about it on here how one of the our neighbors sold and I think we're gonna have more pressure so um started feeding some protein just to try to hold bucks so I was running some cameras. And so, like, I've been getting pictures of these deer for so long that I feel like I'm almost a little immune to it. Like, I, I don't quite have that same excitement as when I first started getting pictures. I uh, just, you know, they're they're grown out now. It's not like they're changing or anything like that. Uh, but it it really honestly just dawned on me uh, a few days ago. It was like, man, like, next weekend I'm going to be hunting, potentially. Yeah, dude. You know, uh, yeah, and so it now it's like okay like i'm paying a little bit more attention to these pictures like what time are they coming in where are they coming from like like it's it's almost go time so yeah man but,
1: hey before before you go check out those pictures that i sent to you that piebald deer Look i, I did
0: man yeah that's not a bad deer
1: i mean he's young you can tell he's young but mm-hmm. isn't he just so unique isn't that he cool is.
0: yeah yeah that's that's really cool
1: anyway had to get that last point in there. All right, dude. <laughs> well, I appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of fun to chat and get excited together about the coming season. Absolutely, man.
0: Yep. I appreciate it, Charles. And uh, until next time, we'll see you later.
1: All right. See you, buddy. That's
0: it, folks. Hope you enjoyed Charles and I's little conversation about just how excited we are that it's time to go hunting. I hope you guys are prepared. I hope you have been practicing. I hope all that hard work comes to fruition All I can say is stay positive, stay after it, and good things will come. So as Dan Johnson would say, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your safety harness. As the little kid from Hardball would say, it ain't goodbye, it's see you later. And until next week, I will see you all right back here on the Oklahoma Outdoors podcast.